eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. Joined by Blake Alderman today. We are your staff writers for Swamp 24-7. And Blake, uh, I got to say, this is maybe the most positive news we've had in a while on this podcast. Today, uh, really just before we started recording, the NCAA announced that it has uh, agreed to let football, men's basketball, and women's basketball return to voluntary activities starting on June 1st. So that's one of our first steps towards, uh, you know, really kind of reopening this thing, getting back to some semblance of normal. Obviously, it'll look very different. You know, there's going to be sanitization stations all over weight rooms everything will be you know getting wiped down like crazy but Blake it certainly seems like you know on a real national scale here we're starting to push more towards having football in the fall yeah I think with something that's been so unclear you know with just the virus and it being something that's a little bit uncharted for maybe people you know that didn't live through the bubonic plague which that's nobody um I think that at this point, nobody really knows what to do. So all this uncertainty, there really wasn't any answers. And I think now when you get a little bit of – even if it's just a little bit of clarity like this, just some kind of sign of things somewhat going back to normal, I think now it's a good sign. I think it eases some tensions. I think it shows the directions things are going. And uh, you know, I, I think it, at this point – you know, we can keep our fingers crossed to, you know, things continue to kind of move forward. And, you know, hopefully we, we get some sort of season, whether that's shortened, whether that's normal as, you know, things go as planned. You know, I, I'm probably getting a little too ahead of myself there. But I, I guess what I'm getting at is it does show signs that there is, you know, at least strong signs that there's going to be a season this season um, somehow. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in previous episodes. I think that was always, you know, going to be the push from athletics directors, uh, you know, athletics officials, conference commissioners, like there's just too much money on the line for them not to attempt it if they can do it reasonably safely. And I think at this point, um, you know, obviously there are going to continue to be coronavirus cases. I I think, you know, we're far enough into this thing that um, I don't think we're going to completely eradicate it here uh, right away. And I think that's certainly the consensus from local health officials and everything. The, The question now becomes that economic one where, Okay, I think we're at a point where at least we can put in some procedures to kind of move forward. And there's a ton of things that still have to be worked through. But, you know, athletics officials have had, you know, basically two months now to begin to plan for contingencies. You know, the SEC is going to vote on Friday to basically uh, basically do what the NCAA just did and allow their athletes back to campus. Uh, so that'll be an important vote to watch. But generally speaking, I think there's a very strong sentiment right now that college football is going to be played in the fall. Not, not not as clear necessarily exactly how that'll happen, whether it ends up being conference only, whether it's a full slate. 
Um, a lot of that's going to depend on whether or not there are breakouts in specific areas and how the local governments in those, you know, those cities and those states proceed. But certainly Florida has been on kind of the forefront of, of having a lower ca- case rate, a lower death rate than most. Um, and, you know, obviously the pol- politicians in Florida have been very open about the fact that they want to have sports here in the fall. So, uh, Blake, that's that's definitely good news. I know everybody's been waiting to kind of hear that. And like you said, obviously, we still have a long way to go. We don't know exactly what it'll look like. But one thing we do know is that Florida has an addition on the offensive line, a place that they absolutely needed to find some help. Mississippi State graduate transfer Stuart Reese is headed to the Florida Gators. He announced that news over. Well, I guess the news broke over the weekend. Um, Blake, he what actually is this announced guy? it on his Instagram. Okay, I get and him or Instagram with, buds now. So now I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm caught up now. All right, Blake. Well, since you guys are two are, uh, you know, are in tight now, uh, what's the scoop on Stuart Reese? And, and what does he do for an offensive line position that we've really talked about is kind of the key for Florida taking a next step forward on offense? You know, I think he's big in a couple different ways. I think he's someone that fits and and he's he's familiar with the things that John Hevesy is going to do. He's familiar with the things that Dan Mullen is going to want to do. He's familiar with just offensive things, ins and outs. So I think that that, that alone is a, is a positive, especially when you consider the fact that Florida really struggled on the offensive line last year. And I think that the next thing that kind of goes hand in hand with all that is the fact that I think Reese is really good in the fact that you can plug and play him. You can put him at guard. You can move him at tackle. Um, I don't know necessarily that means left tackle. I think that's probably a, a right tackle type of thing. Um, you can give him some flexibility with guard. And it kind of becomes the point where Florida, you have some unknowns um, just returning from you know the guys they signed in 19. You have some of those freshman guys like Joshua Braun that I think is going to get his feet wet for the Gators this season. Jean DeLance really struggled last year for Florida at right tackle. So the deficiencies now are something to where you can kind of work it around. And I think the fact that Reese is so flexible in that way, it gives you the best way to kind of figure out your your best starting lineup, whether that's moving him at tackle, moving him at guard, or even if you kind of ha- have the ability to move him how you need it through the season. I think that a guy like that can kind of gap some of the things that Florida struggled with last season. And I think that someone like him who is a familiar with the program, be a veteran leader type of guy and see with that flexibility. I think that I, I would, I would argue that that's the biggest transfer portal guy that Florida has landed to date under Mullen. Yeah, so for, for those of you that are listening that maybe haven't been on Swamp 24-7 as much as you should and, and haven't read through all our stories, Reese is a he's a fifth year senior, so he's been around quite a while. He's been in a lot of SEC football games, basically a three year starter for Mississippi State. So he as a you know, as a redshirt freshman, he was around Dan Mullen's system. John Hevesy recruited him. Uh, they ended up getting him at Mississippi State. So he had a year to learn the system there. And then he ended up having a full year to to basically be a starter in that system at, at right uh, right tackle. So he started his first two years at right tackle and then last year moved inside to guard. Most people that we've talked to, Blake, including our Mississippi State writers uh, for 24-7 Sports, they believe that guard is kind of his future. That's where he projects best upside-wise. You know, I've seen projections for him in the in the top 10 of the guard class for, for this upcoming NFL draft. So very, very high-quality player. And I think, like you said, the versatility that he provides, one, coming in already kind of knowing the system, and then, two, being a guy that has played multiple spots, it, it really is going to allow Florida's coaches to figure out where they want to try to get their best five on the field. Um, and I know that you and I discussed it a little bit, along with our colleague Bob Redman on Swamp 24-7 in a piece we wrote yesterday. Um, there's a couple different ways that Florida can do that. And I think you and I kind of both are on the same page on that one, where Bob maybe has a little bit of a different idea. Um, but I think either of the options that we'll discuss here are good options. Um, and 
and basically it all boils down to we think that you can upgrade over Jean Delance. Um, you know, and and that's not a it's not necessarily a huge knock on Delance. I mean, he's still going to be a huge part of this offensive line. He's going to be a key guy um, because he can, I think, play both inside and outside. And anytime you have a starter, you know, for a full year, that's a lot of valuable experience. That's a guy that now if you do end up trying to upgrade him by putting, say, Stuart Reese at right tackle or by moving the line around elsewhere, you've got a guy now that has plenty of comfort in the system and you can plug in right away and not have to worry about. That is a huge, huge difference from where Florida was at before they added Stuart Reese. I mean, that is a massive difference because before they added him, you weren't quite sure exactly, um, you know, who that sixth guy was going to be. Maybe it was going to be a freshman in Joshua Braun. Maybe it was going to be somebody else. Um, but Blake, let's talk a little bit about kind of the lineup that, that you and I envision as the starting five right now. And right off the bat, uh, let's just go ahead and lay it out. So we, we like the lineup of putting Richard Gouraj at left tackle, um, putting Stuart Reese over to the left side, assuming he's comfortable handling that. And one thing I, I, I kind of, you know, a lot of people will wonder, is he comfortable switching to the left side? I think if you're Stuart Reese and the coaches approach you about moving to the left side, that's another chance to show additional versatility to NFL scouts. So I, I think he'd be willing to make that move. I don't know for sure. Obviously, you're, you know, you're the Instagram DM guy. Uh, so <laughs> Just give me so, a minute. Uh, I'll find out. We're buds now. I know, right? But uh, so we like him at left guard. And then we're kind of thinking Brett Heggie takes over that center role because that gives you a veteran there that, you know, has taken some snaps at center for Florida in practices before he replaces Nick Buchanan on the inside. You stick with Ethan White there at right guard and then you move Stone Forsyth from the left spot uh, where he's covering the blind side, maybe a little bit more vulnerable to some of those speed rushers. And you move him in at right tackle. Blake, explain to me why, in your mind, that lineup makes the most sense. You know, for me, I think that Richard Garage. He's played a lot of guard for Florida, and and I think when you look at just the intangibles of he can hold his own at tackle. Florida got his feet wet there. I think he's just more athletic when you boil things down to it, and I think that it makes the most sense to put him at that left tackle spot. I think Stone Forsyth is another big, long type of offensive lineman, but I just don't think he has as quick of feet. I don't think he's quite as athletic as athletic as Richard Garage. So I think that that's where, to me, makes the most sense to move him over to right tackle. And then, like you said, um, guard, I think that I really do agree with the fact that, I, for me, Reese on the left side, because you had Ethan White at the right side, I don't know that that's really this big to do. Um, I don't know if that's something that you know Ethan White would be open and moving to the left side. I, I think that those are conversations you can have either way. But I think, regardless, those two guys make the most sense to me at guard. I think you bring up a really yeah. good point with Reese showing the fact that moving to the left side does give him more tape, does show more versatility to him. And you've got a guy that can play either guard spot. You can throw him at right tackle. I think that that does nothing but move his, his draft stock up. And, and one other reason I like Stuart Reese moving to the left side is this Florida coaching staff has been very vocal about not wanting to expose younger players and kind of leave them out on an island. Like, that's the whole reason that they didn't play Garage much at left tackle last year until really the end of the year when he started to get more comfortable. They like to have younger guys with a veteran right next to them, right? So they didn't want to move Garage out to left tackle. They would have preferred to have him sandwiched between Nick Buchanan and Stone Forsyth. I think if you move Reese to the left side rather than, say, trying to move Ethan White over to keep Reese comfortable – you know, you get a player that's already more familiar with the system, kind of more used to playing in, you know, this SEC level. And you've got a guy that can communicate very easily with Richard Guraj as he continues to make that transition to left tackle. I think that's a great point you bring there. And then again, um, center Brett Heggie was actually recruited to Florida as a center. That was his more natural position. Another guy that you have that can bring that versatility. You can throw him at center. You can throw him at guard. I think whenever you lose a guy like Nick Buchanan, I mean, if you're not throwing – 
I don't know if it even makes sense to even throw Ethan White at center. I don't know if he's ever had any experience there or anything. I don't know if that's an easy transition for him. I, I think that that would be otherwise, you know, you'd have to throw in like Kingsley Agekiwan or some somebody that doesn't have maybe as many snaps there. So I think that when it boils down to it, I think moving Heggie, the you know veteran type of guy at the center, which is you know basically your quarterback of your offensive line, I think that makes the most sense. And the fact that he was recruited that position and is comfortable at that position makes it an easy transition for him. And it also gives you, like I said, Kingsley, you know he's your next guy right there. And it just gives him another year to continue to develop and continue to kind of get things acclimated. So whenever you know you do lose a guy like Brett Heggie, you have someone in that you can come in and really count on him. So I think to me that makes the most sense up front for Florida. And I think that you know obviously if if Delance is your fifth guy and he's your first one coming in and off the field, a guy that's played all games for Florida last year at right tackle. I'm sure you know he had his his bumps and bruises, but I think that if that's your fifth guy, I think you're in a pretty good spot. And I think Josh Braun is one that I'm going to really see to get Florida to get his feet wet because that was always the plans for him. I think he's one of those guys that has that high ceiling that can continue to kind of develop. And once you know, yeah, sure, missing spring ball was bad for him because he's an early enrollee. That's just more times for him to get acclimated with the program, used to college. So I think he's one as the season goes. I think you're going to see Braun get more involved as well. Yeah. Now let's talk about a little bit about the other option that that Bob brought up. And I I find it very interesting, to be honest with you. And I think it could also be a good option. Um, He basically had the same line as us, but rather than plugging in Stuart Reese at left guard, um, he has Richard Garage staying there, Stone Forsyth staying at left tackle. And then Stuart Reese playing that right tackle spot that he played his, you know, his first two seasons as a starter at Mississippi State. Um, I think that gives you some some obviously quality options. You know, we saw that Richard Richard Garage was an upgrade last year when he played inside at, at guard, you know, from that, that early season, Chris Bleich being in there in that interior trio mix. Um, the, the reason that I don't necessarily love it as much as putting Reese in at guard um, is because I do think one uh, Richard Guraj is the long-term future at left tackle. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I, I do think stone Forsyth would benefit a little bit from a move to not the blind side. Um, but the other thing I think is, I really, really like the idea of having a Stuart Reese and an Ethan White as your pulling guards. I mean, those guys are big dudes. They're absolute maulers. And we saw with Ethan White, he has the athleticism to really pull in the run game. I think you're seeing that with Stuart Reese as well. You get those guys with Brett Heggie on the interior. I feel really good about Florida's, you know, that run game that was really a problem last year starting to emerge. You know, where Florida can really run some of those power, some of those zone schemes, really grind on teams inside and lean on them and wear them out. And I think... Because you're replacing so many receivers, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of an acclimation period for Kyle Trask next next season, getting used to some of these newer targets, you know, a la a Jacob Copeland seeing more reps, you know, some of these redshirt freshmen that redshirted a year ago, and uh, even, you know, your true freshman signees like Xavier Henderson and, uh, and Jaquavian Frazier. So I think if you have that, you know, that beef in the middle, to me, that's where it's at. I think, again, it also puts experience next to everybody on the line. Um, because you've got talented, experienced guys at you know your your left guard, your center, and your right tackle spot. Uh, so your youngest guy, Ethan White, is surrounded by two veteran fifth-year seniors in Stone Forsyth and Brett Heggie. You've got you know a Stuart Reese who's right next to uh, Guraj on that left side to continue to bring him along. To me, I just like that a little bit better. But going back to our whole point about Stuart Reese, the amount of versatility he brings—that's huge. That's going to allow Florida to really shake some things up on the offensive line and. And really allow these coaches in an offseason where they don't have as much time to work with, you know, the guys they have, um, it at least gives them some flexibility to quickly move pieces around and try to figure out which works best. Blake, uh, we've got some recruiting we want to get to. I know there's been a lot going on there. 
uh, with virtual visits and whatnot. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll come back on the other side and, and get the latest on recruiting from you. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Uh, we, you know, we talked a little bit about the good news. Sports kind of moving closer to a return with the NCAA allowing football, men's basketball, and women's basketball to return to voluntary activities starting on June 1st. But, you know, we really haven't had much going on live in the time being. So Blake, uh, the coaches have been spending that time doing a lot of recruiting and recently have kind of stepped up their game a little bit with a new interesting twist, getting recruits on virtual visits around campus. I know we talked a little bit last week about kind of what those visits look like. What's the latest on how they're going and some of the prospects they've been involved with on those? Yeah, you know, they've been doing those pretty, pretty consistently. You know, they have a couple a day um, every day. They started them last week. So basically you have a guy and his family, they log in through Zoom and they, they get a chance to kind of watch some of the videos um, of, you know, just showing them around campus. They've actually driven some of the guys around campus on golf carts, you know, showing them videos of the facilities coming up. You get a chance to meet nutritionists, weight room, um, strength and conditioning staff. I mean, you talk with the coaches uh, they'll have the entire staff in for the most part of them, and then they kind of weed them out, and they have you know basically you know Dan Mullen in your position, coach, and you know this, that, and the other. So um, you know they actually last about a couple hours, so they're you know pretty informative. And the good thing for Florida is is a you get some of these kids that are far away that didn't get to visit. You know the newer offers out of state they've extended. You get a chance to show them a visit. You know something that they are aren't able to do right now with the recruiting dead period moved all the way through June. Um, and even some of the guys that have been to campus, it's a chance to get back. And you know maybe uh, the kid has been to campus, but maybe mom and dad haven't. So this is a chance to get mom and dad there with the coaching staff. So I think overall Florida's been really aggressive with it. You know they've been probably more aggressive than any team school I've seen around the country thus far. I mean, some schools have probably been doing it a little bit longer than Florida, but I think Florida's cranking them out more consistently right now to the fact that where they're, I mean, they're really hitting it hard. So I think they've gone good so far. Uh, they had a, a couple guys um, on Sunday, Christopher Thomas, the Florida commit, Charles Montgomery. He's kind of an all-purpose back athlete type of guy for Florida. He'll actually be making his commitment on May 24th coming up this weekend, and it's between Florida and Maryland. I currently have him predicted to Florida right now on my 24-7 sports crystal ball. So I think some good news coming Florida's way that way more than likely. Uh, Monday, they you know they continue to hit it hard. Had a couple 22 quarterbacks in there. Uh, Nico Marichal, he's a guy from out west. Uh, Ja'Curry Brown, he's a guy from South Florida, or excuse me, uh, South Georgia, sorry. Um, and down in Valdosta, um, who has been pretty adamant that he's leaving the state of Georgia for college. Um, family grew up big Florida fans. So I think right now with Florida 
having the luxury of having a guy in 21 already in the fold with Carlos Del Rio, it gives him a chance to, you know, continue to bond with some of these guys in 2022. And, you know, with quarterbacks deciding early, I think you have to be really aggressive with it there. Um, you know, on Tuesday, Jordan Young, he's a three-star cornerback out of uh, Tampa, Florida. He's a big-time Florida target. Um, his entire family were actually decked out in Florida hats and shirts and everything so um I, I don't know that he's a guy that's really on fire to make a decision right now but i, I really like florida where they're at right now um they're, they're really juggling quite a few of these defensive backs and i think young is one of those guys that you can move him around in safety and corner um throw him in the nickel so i think that that's something that florida really likes in their players um they, they really like that versatility in the secondary and that's something that you know can really rise you up their board um you know they, they've really stayed after it um, with a lot of these guys, a top 100 linebacker, Jeremiah Williams, uh, he logged in late last night. He actually got to visit Florida back in March, um, and but wasn't with his mom. This is a guy that an out-of-state guy that not only has visited Florida twice now, if you want to count the virtual visit, but now mom has got a chance to see the sites. And, and right now, these visits may not lead to big-time commitments, and they may not do much in the grand scheme of things. But at this point, mom has now seen the place, and they're more, most certainly, at least right now, saying that they're going to come back for an official visit in person at some point. So I think that some of these visits maybe you know don't put you to the top of a leaderboard for a kid, or they maybe don't make this biggest move because again, I mean, they're virtual visits, so I mean, you're kind of touch and go with you know really getting the full experience. But I think for the most part, it's good for a lot of these parents. You know, you can pitch the academic talk, and you know, if you can get mom and dad on board, you at least have one voice that's in that conversation whenever you start talking through later things of you know maybe arriving to a decision. So. I think it's a good plan where Florida's not just having these kids jump on a Zoom call and talk with the coaches. They're waiting to where, even if they have to reschedule some things around, they're waiting till the parents are there so they can make it kind of a family type of visit. So I think there's a lot of positives with them. I think it's something that actually Florida and even other schools should continue doing even past, you know, when the dead period opens back or is, is open back up and, you know, you can hit the road again. I think it's still something that's really beneficial for a lot of these schools, you know, with the fact that a lot of these schools are really recruiting on a national scale. Um, you have a kid that maybe doesn't have, even if he's in state he doesn't have the transportation means to get to your campus all the time you know and, and you can't make these visits or you know a ride's falling through twice coach sorry i can't make it well now you don't have the excuse because now you can hop on zoom and you can see this that and the other and maybe that leads to them actually coming back at some point so i think that they're really good for florida to do and i think it's something that even florida and the ncaa should make part of the recruiting kind of fingerprint going forward yeah it's going to be really interesting you know we had talked on one of the podcasts about that about how uh, you know, this period is as crazy and as wild as it is, is really going to force coaches to be creative and innovative with ways that they teach, not just, you know, recruits or not just the way they conduct recruiting, but really the way they teach their scheme to these players. And I, I think that's one of the more interesting things in talking to Dan Mullen throughout this pandemic. Um, he's been very clear that, you know, the challenge is that some guys learn in different ways. And so I think, you know, in regards to recruiting, I think this will work well for some guys and some guys they'll have to actually kind of be there to physically, you know, see it and do all that. But, no doubt. uh, you know, anytime you can, you can have stuff like this, that, that furthers your recruiting. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. Like I don't see that going away because, you know, if one school keeps doing it, guess what? They've got an edge over you. So I think you're absolutely right. I think this is going to be one of those things that sticks around for a while. And, and, you know, certainly it won't be as widespread, as it is now when you can't visit campus, but there will be select situations where it makes sense to do some of these things. Um, you know, assuming the NCAA doesn't regulate it out of existence, because who knows? I mean, right now the, the rules are pretty, you know, they're pretty stretched in terms of, you know, coaches are, man, it's like chaos eight hours. out here. Unlimited calls, man, yeah. you can do whatever you want. It's like chaos out here. It is, it is. And, and I, I get it. They're trying to do the right thing for the players and all that, but you know, at some point 
you know, it's going to get all reined back in and legislated. And uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see where that all settles out. Um, Blake, you, uh, you made a crystal, crystal ball prediction recently for one prospect. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that for some of the more casual guys that may not you know, be as familiar with recruiting? Yeah, with Florida not signing a high school running back last uh, cycle, obviously Lorenzo Lingard was the guy they got through the transfer portal. Um, you missed on quite a few of the guys through the high school ranks. You know, Demarcus Bowman, obviously Zachary Evans wasn't one you could ever get any traction with, with just kind of the dead period that's going on. And there's plenty other running backs that Florida missed out last cycle. Um, but I think right now, it's a big it's it's a big point of emphasis because at one point Florida was recruiting uh, Brashard Smith. He's an athlete type of guy out of South Florida. They were recruiting him as an all-purpose back, and he was committed to Florida at that position. He's since backed off that commitment. He's part of that really talented Miami Palmetto group where there's like four or five uh, five or six kids actually um, that are all looking at Florida. They all have offers, and and it's a it's a strong possibility that Florida um, could even pull the sweep on them. You know, maybe not everybody, but I, I think Florida is gonna isn't at least right now is in a great five stars spot. There too. Oh yeah, a pair of them right now. So I mean, there's there's a lot of talented guys, a lot of guys in the top two, four, seven rankings that Florida's in the mix for. Um, and, and Brashard was one of those guys that was committed to Florida. Uh, he he since backed off that commitment now he's saying he wants to be recruited as a slot receiver, which Florida will continue to do. I think that's the best position for him ideally anyways. I think he fits that mold a little bit better, whereas I think someone like a Charles Montgomery, who's more of an athlete type of guy, um, but has more snaps on his tape at running back, I think he's one that makes more sense as that all-purpose back role. So either way, um, Florida's now sitting here without a running back commit in their 2021 class. So they recently extended an offer to four-star running back Trevion Cooley. Um, he's out of North Carolina. He plays for Nightdale High School um, in Nightdale, North Carolina. Um, they've been recruiting him for a little while. You know, no offer. Um, you know, they they were you know having talks with him. You know kind of getting breaking down his film over Zoom with Gregory Knox, uh, Florida's running backs coach. He had a uh, Zoom campus tour type of deal with his mother um, this past Friday to where you know they show him the academic parts he's a really big strong acad- you know big into academics his mother's a teacher so that's going to be a big factor for him um, and uh, you know got a chance to really you know just meet everybody the coaching staff Dan Mullen to everybody so um, went through the weekend uh, no offer so Florida actually extended an offer earlier this week um, I believe it was on Monday um, they extended him an offer late night and and it really before that he was kind of trending towards Duke that was his first offer again academics come into play there but now Florida comes to the table a big SEC offer he has an offer from South Carolina and they were kind of a flavor of the week at one point in his recruitment a little bit earlier on before Florida got involved so you know Florida comes to the table now with an offer they have a big need at running back he really fits their need as far as a scheme type of player because he's really good with the inside and outside zone runs and that's something that really is is beneficial for Florida because that's really fits in well to what they do. Um, he can also kind of take some snaps out at wide receiver. You can move him around. So I, I get, what I'm saying is he fits really well into what Florida does. Um, the academics are into play there. I feel like Florida is trending in this recruitment. You know, I, I've said that I think it could happen soon, and I still feel that. I don't know if it's you know something where I'm you know sitting here refreshing my Twitter on the daily. Um, I, I think maybe sometime this week, um, if not maybe in the next week. If we start getting past that, I mean, I, I don't know that that really deters me from my confidence in Florida, but it's one of those ones where you know you have the hot hand, you have the offer, and I think it's one where you want to strike where the where the, while the iron is hot. You know, you never want any other school to come in and sway him or change his mind or any new offers. But I think for right now, it's looking like this is a sooner than later type of thing for me. Um, so I went ahead and put in the crystal ball. I, I feel confident either way of him being in Florida's class where things stand right now. Well, there you go. That'd certainly be good. You know, I mean, Florida's really only signed one running back in the last two classes and. Uh, you feel pretty good about the running back room right now. And like you said, the addition of Lorenzo Lingard. But this is a position where, you know, you've got to shore it up going forward because Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, both of those guys are juniors. 
um, you know, eventually you need to add some more firepower there. And, you know, there's been a lot of misses in the state. This would be, you know, a good a good chance to really kind of shore up that room a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's someone that Florida does like too, and I know that Knox was higher on him mm-hmm. at first. Um, had to kind of get Mullen on board and kind of figure things out, look more into the film. You know, kind of coming to his boss and trying to sell, you know, his guy that he likes, and and things have gone well. And obviously, the offers there, and and you know, he could pick up the phone right now and, and commit. And I, I know Florida's looking forward to that if if he does cross that bridge. Well, definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on. Blake, is there anything else with recruiting you wanted to catch us up on, or is that pretty much wrap us up? I think that's pretty much it. You know, they'll continue to have virtual visits through the week. Uh, C.J. Burton was on earlier today with the cl- uh, coaching staff. He's a uh, four-star cornerback commit from up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, they had uh, Jake Slaughter on tap tonight. He's an offensive center who's committed to Florida State. Um, and then a speedy four-star wide receiver, Malcolm Johnson Jr. Uh, he was on. Uh, he should be on about five o'clock on Wednesday to do his Zoom meeting. This is actually his first time visiting campus. Um, and I say that with like hyphens because you know it's a virtual visit. Yeah. So I mean, I mean. <laughs> It's getting his first look at Florida either way. They'll have a guy um, logging in tomorrow for a visit and four-star offensive guard Yusuf Mugerbill. I learned his last name because last week I didn't know it. Nice. He was actually on tap for last week for a virtual visit. It was moved to this week, kind of shuffling things around so that his, his parents could be there and take the visit. So, you know, Florida's going to have quite a few of these. They'll go into the end of the week and, uh, you know, they'll carry them on. And I don't think the Florida's going to slow their their efforts with this, with these virtual visits. They're really trying to stay active with this and, you know, try to do anything they can to keep their face in front of these kids. Yeah, and you know, hopefully the rules uh, get put in place eventually that recruits are allowed to visit campus once the athletes are back. So, uh, Blake, we'll be watching that that Friday vote from the SEC pretty closely. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get specifics. You know, even if they vote yes right away uh, to athletes returning to campus, but you know, by and large, it certainly seems like we are moving in that direction pretty rapidly. And you know, I know speaking for us at Swamp 24/7. Uh, we could not be more thrilled about it. It's, you know, it, you know, we've had a tough go of it like everybody else trying to generate content and, you know, keep everybody engaged with sports. So, uh, you know, as long as we can do this thing safely, man, uh, it, it certainly is encouraging that we're kind of moving in that direction. But uh, that'll do it for us this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Blake and I will be back next week. We'll likely be talking about that SEC decision and uh, most likely updating you again on further developments in Florida's recruiting. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time.